Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. I'm your host, as always, John Kelly, a.k.a. John the Marketer on Instagram, TikTok, uh, John the Podcaster on Twitter. Like, if you can't find me on social media, you're not looking hard enough because I'm everywhere. But you're tuned in. It's our nationwide search for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell. And joining us in the studio, virtually, of course, I've got an entrepreneur that wants to do just that. From Ormond Beach, Florida, I've got Kevin Lowe. He's with Grit, Grace, and Inspiration Podcast. Kevin, welcome to the show. Oh, man, I'm excited to be here, dude. Thank you for having me. Man, I'm excited, too. Other podcasters make for great guests because we know what to expect. We know how to carry on a conversation. Uh, Plus, just our little talk pre-show. I know this is going to be a great conversation. You've got some crazy things happening in your life and you're turning it around and using it to make a positive. So I can't wait to hear all of those stories as well. But we have to start out with our icebreaker question. Every single episode, I ask an icebreaker question. And today's icebreaker is, what is a food that you used to hate, but now love? Oh, oh man, let's think. Okay, um, easy one, sandwiches. Really? Sandwiches? All growing up, all growing up, my mom always was like, why in the world can't he just take a normal sandwich? No, instead, I was the kid who, like, took leftovers, you know, and just ate them cold at lunch, you know, in elementary school. And all the other kids are like, oh, my gosh, like, why do you have, like, meatloaf and we have a ham sandwich? And so then that all suddenly changed later in my life, which we'll get to a story um, when I had a traumatic event happen. And then all of a sudden, some things that I always hated, I now loved. And one of those was sandwiches. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't know what sandwiches did to you and how traumatized you got from sandwiches, man. But if you do sandwiches right, they're good. Now, I will say a cold sandwich is not my favorite. Um, yeah. Growing up, I just kind of like, uh, and I wasn't a privileged kid or anything, but I just saw it as kind of like that standard run of the mill. Uh, it's not my favorite. Like I prefer a hot meal. My wife will say I'm bougie. Okay. And um, I don't totally disagree with her, except for the fact that, like I said, I, I didn't grow up spoiled. I didn't have a silver spoon in my tongue or anything like that. It was always growing up kind of eating ramen noodle, rice, sandwiches, cheap stuff, macaroni and beans. Um, but if it's a hot sandwich with the right toppings, I absolutely love it. But I'm with you on like that cold, just bologna cheese and bread that's not toasted. No, thank you. Um, but for me, the big one, actually, if you've ever listened to my podcast a long time ago, when we were the beef, I had a, a nonprofit on, um, and I had this, this woman that I think it was something like name of food you hate was the icebreaker question. And I talked crap about Brussels sprouts and she was like, Oh my God, I love Brussels sprouts. And I was like, it's disgusting. I've tried it in several different ways. I can't find a way anyone can cook it that I like it. And then I recently figured out when my driver operator at work made us dinner one night and he said, I'm cooking Brussels sprouts. And I was like, why do you hate me? Do you not want me to eat at all? Or like what? He was like, trust me, let me make you my Brussels sprouts. And then you tell me if you don't like them. And if you don't like them, I'll never make them again. But I think you're going to like them. And I was like, all right, I'll try it. So the key is for Brussels sprouts, if you don't like them and you think you could, 400 degrees in an air fryer, 20 minutes. You need to top it with some olive oil or that balsamic vinegar glaze. Put your regular seasonings, seasonings, whatever you like on there. For me, salt, pepper, and garlic are like my go-to. And then I love some Uncle Tony's or like any of that. Or not Uncle, yeah, I think they have an Uncle Tony's, a Tony Saturies, any of the Cajun seasoning. Top it with that mm-hmm. as well. And then just stir all that up, throw it in the air fryer, 400 degrees, 20 minutes. They come out amazing as long as you cut them in half so they get real crispy all the way around and man i will eat my weight in brussels sprouts and um (laughs) opening up my palate and eating a little healthier these days has made me drop some weight man i've gone from over 280 pounds now to uh, the 250 so just trust me open up your palate try it a different way because i hated them at first and now i love it still hate broccoli though 
<laughs> I, 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 I feel like there's a deeper meaning in, in this story. It's kind of like, if you don't like it, smother it with enough good stuff and it'll be all right. You know? Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. Now, I'm a big dude. I could talk about food all day, but we're here to talk about Kevin, man. So who are you? Where'd you come from? How'd you get into entrepreneurship? I always tell people, just like the quote that's in my intro from Blacklist, an amazing show on Netflix. Tell me your origin story. Yeah, man. So mine goes back to same town that I still live in today. So Ormond Beach, Florida, a small little beachside town. Um We'll go back to the year 2003. So we're, we're rewinding time about 20 years ago. And at that point in my life, I'm a junior in high school, um, 17 years old. Um, year prior, when I turned 16, that sweet 16, I got my dream truck. Um, that was a 1996 Ford F-150 4x4, forest green, raised, 8 inches of lift, 38-inch Super Swamper mud tires. Um it was, it was my baby. And here it is, my junior year of high school. Life was going great. Um, school was going good. Um, I wasn't a big fan of school, but school had suddenly no longer become the worst thing in my life because um, I had that cool group of friends. Um, was driving my truck. Me and my buddies would go out mudding after school. Um, just had a lot of fun. And I always say that, you know, it's kind of like that scene in the movie when you're watching a movie when like everything's perfect and and you're you're watching all these people going through life and you're like, okay, like something's about to happen. Well, unbeknownst to the people in the movie, kind of like me, something was about to happen. And that came with the news that I had a brain tumor. Now, at the time, um, I was 17 years old, as I said. But I was a little dude. I was only five foot three, had never really started growing, hadn't hit that growth spurt, gone through puberty. And the doctors just kept saying, oh, you know, eh, he's just a late bloomer. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Kept blowing it off, blowing it off. Well, finally, it took a mom and a grandmother to be like, okay, something's not right. And we've got to get Kevin to a different doctor. And that would kind of put the spiraling together um, that would lead us down a path to find out that I had a brain tumor. Now, my mom was the one who got the call um, on a Friday evening, um, headed to actually meet me and my stepdad um, and I think my little stepbrother at our boat that we had at a local marina because um, we were going to take it up to St. Augustine, Florida, um, about an hour or so drive up the intercoastal waterway. And so looking forward to this great weekend when my mom gets the call. And the call is that she got the results of the MRI. The doctor warned her that what they found was worse than he had ever expected. And that was a plum-sized brain tumor right in the center of my head. Um, it had completely encased my pituitary gland, was pressing against my carotid artery, and was in the crosshairs of my optic nerve. Um, at the time it was found, they gave me at most six months to live if this tumor was not removed. Now, the the benefit, though, the, the plus was that this type of tumor was not cancerous, so I didn't have to worry about anything like that. But as I said, it had to be removed. Now, lucky enough, the leading pediatric neurosurgeon um, in the country was only an hour away from my home over in Orlando, Florida. And so here we are. We find ourselves in his office. And we are going through all the the different things about surgery, um, the risks, you know, he, I always joke. It was like, you know, it's like a 10% chance we might cut off your arm, even though we're cutting your head. Um, and, and at the very end, um, there was a 1% possibility that you may become blind. Now at the time, I of course didn't know what was to come. Nobody did. And so that was one thing though, for some reason, stuck out in my mind was that last thing he mentioned the slightest chance imaginable was that I could become blind. We scheduled surgery, uh, for 
I think maybe a week or two later, gave me enough time to be back at school, tell it all my friends, ha ha, see you later, suckers, I'm out of here for a month. Um, Because the doctor told me I'd be out of school for about three to four weeks. Um, And so that was great. I had named my tumor Bob, Bob the tumor, uh, me and my personality. So we had a going away Bob party. Um, Really looking forward to it. This was honestly... After the initial shock of it all, it was really a positive because here we finally figured out what was going on, why I had migraine headaches every single day of my life, why I wasn't growing. We finally figured out what the bump in the road was. And that's exactly what this was viewed as, a bump in the road. And so the day is October 28th, 2003. I enter the operating room um, and... At that moment, as I tell people, um, my life died on the operating room table and a new life began. The new life that began wouldn't be any better or worse. It was just different. Now, for a long time, I thought it was way worse. Matter of fact, I hated the new life that I began. And I would have given anything to get out of it. Because... Coming out of surgery, I awoke to be left completely blind. So no shapes, no shadows, no light, nor dark, just blackness. In addition to the loss of my sight, I also lost my ability to smell. I had short-term memory loss for six months, close to a year, um, and all kinds of other medical complications that I still deal with today. Um, Most of those are related to me having no pituitary gland, which your pituitary controls all of your body's hormones. And so basically I had to begin taking medications to replace what the body is supposed to do naturally, which is a pretty poor alternative. Um, They work, the medicines are great, but um, it's not like, uh, it's not like the body's supposed to do it. And so Anyways, this is all of a sudden now my new reality. Um, 17 years old, um, my life is is turned upside down. My That beautiful truck that I talked about, um, the four-wheeler in the garage, all of that was no more. Um, and to be honest, it was really tough. It was really, really hard for a really long time. Um, but I kept moving forward. I never stopped. I never gave up. I kept focusing forward. And I'll be honest when I tell you that there were days, there were nights that I begged God to give me to give me the 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 bravery, the boldness, the courageousness to to kill myself cuz I hated this life that bad. But every time though, I would pray for that. Or every time that I would lay in bed and pray and and be angry at God, I would always end up turning back to him and saying, no, God, don't leave me. Don't be angry at me. Just be here with me. And honest to goodness, it was only through my faith and my incredible family that I got through those days. I would end up um, making it back to school for the start of my senior year, um, something that nobody really thought I would be able to do, but I did it. Um, I I caught up with my schoolwork thanks to some awesome teachers who came to my grandmother's house every day um, because I never went back to school the rest of that junior year. Um, I had, it was called a hospital homebound and uh, they helped me do all my school subjects. Plus, had another teacher teaching me how to read Braille. Another one taught me how to start using a computer with talking software. Another teacher teaching me how to get around with a cane. All this new stuff. Um, and ultimately, I walked across the stage of my high school graduation. And that I want to emphasize real quick because, as I said earlier, I was not a fan of school. I had no plans for college. Um, To be honest, most of the time, I'd rather get sick with the flu than have to go to school. And yet, for some reason, 
here this kid is. I basically got handed a get out of free school, you know, uh, card. You know, you don't you don't have nobody's going to expect anything of you. You can basically just graduate as it is. But instead, I didn't. I kept pushing forward and I kept telling everybody, I just want to be able to graduate with my class. And like I said, I did it. I literally walked across the stage of my high school graduation, huge auditorium uh, cheering me on. And it was awesome. And I think right then something happened and I didn't realize it then. And it took me a long time to look back and realize it. But at that moment, something pivotal happened. And that was that I was shown that even in this new life, I could still accomplish great things. And so life thing kind of continued from there. Um, Basically, many years were spent just really learning to just live again. Um, I dabbled in some, some different classes and stuff down at our local division of blind services and center for the visually impaired um, that were set up near our um, local community college resources that I never even knew existed yet. Now we're finding out about, and they're helping me, you know, do all this stuff. And um, I did it. I went through the motions, but to be honest, I hated every bit of it. Um, I referred to the classes I had to do as, as blind daycare. Um, I thought they were totally stupid, totally ridiculous. Um, and I think the biggest thing was was that at that point in my journey, I, I didn't want to be in this life. I didn't want anything to do with this life. And I think in the back of my mind, I was buying time until the day that either God would let me see again or that there would be something, some type of medical intervention that was coming down the pipeline that would let me see again. Um, and that would last for a long time, um, up until probably about 2012, maybe even 2011, um, when I took part in another one of those blind daycare programs that I mentioned, um, me along with uh Oh, goodness, a handful of other, um, you know, adults in a job readiness program. Now, the job readiness program, I mean, like I said, me, luckily, I was in there with a couple of really cool guys. Um, and they were, you know, all blind, visually impaired, um, who I was able to really get along with really well. Um, and we we made fun out of it. Now, here's the cool part, and the reason I mention it is because at the end of the program, the only reason I agreed to do this three-month-long program was that at the end, they would set me up with an internship of, uh, you know, a job of my choice. Now, at that point, I had two kind of ideas in my head of things that I might want to do. First was to be on radio. Second was to, to get into travel somehow, be a travel agent. I had grown up traveling, and even after losing my sight, I still love to travel and get to experience the world. And so, lo and behold, they got me set up with a local travel agency and a local AM radio station. I did both of those for, gosh, three, maybe even six months. Loved both of them. The radio, though, is where I was at. I was like, I worked on the morning drive show, so I had to be there at 5.30 a.m. and was there until 9 a.m. when the show went off air, and I loved it. Now, the travel agency, that was cool, too. I got to learn more about what it was like to be a travel agent. And so here it is, though. Those are ending, and I'm kind of now back at square zero because neither one wants to hire Kev. So... What do I do now? Kind of back at square one and I've had these awesome opportunities. So that's when I find out about the idea of starting my own home-based travel business. So lo and behold, January, 2013, I opened the doors to my own business uh, called Better Days Travel. And I would operate that for the next, uh, what, seven years, um, rocking and rolling as a home-based travel agent booking uh all kind of trips now 
I worked with all kinds of people from from churches that I booked big uh, fundraising cruises to honeymoons to the Caribbean. Um, did all this stuff. I mean, I loved it. And I and I guess more than just booking trips, I love the fact that I got to build a business. I got to create my own thing. I got to be an entrepreneur, even though here I was completely blind. And it meant a lot to me. And building the brand of my business meant a lot to me. But truth be told, it never really took off for me. I mean, yeah, I did good. I was able to make some money, but not significant money. Nothing to truly support myself to 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 really be quote unquote successful. Um, but what else am I to do? 2020 comes along. 2020 is I had kind of had a uh, renewed sense of hope for the business. Um, I was geared up to have my best year ever as a travel agent, had multiple massive trips already booked out for the whole year. Year was looking mighty fine. And then, of course, though, we all know 2020 was not a year for a travel agent. And so inside of a week in March of 2020, everything I built came crumbling down. And so now we're in quarantine. My travel business is completely done for. And I'm just kind of left thinking, what the heck am I going to do now? Well, bingo, baby. We're in quarantine. Perfect opportunity to start up that YouTube channel I had been thinking about. So I start ordering the film equipment off of Amazon. And I'm getting real excited about this whole plan of doing the YouTube uh, you know, channel, going to talk about my life as somebody who's blind, kind of a lifestyle you know, channel, along with though still tying in stuff with travel. Um, you know, figuring I could promote the business for when people are ready to start traveling again. And so I'm all geared up, all excited until all of a sudden one day it hits me and I'm like, Kev, what are you doing? You can't do this. You're blind. If you don't have somebody here with you, there's no way you can do it on your own. And so then kind of back to square wood because you know, what? what's the use in the best camera if you don't even know where the heck the camera is aimed at? And so that's when my sister was the one who said, well, why don't you start a podcast? And I'm like, well, what's a podcast? She tells me, I'm like, well, I'm like, Tiffany, that sounds like a really lame alternative to a YouTube channel. And so she, though, encourages me to check it out. So I start listening to podcasts and start listening to podcasts about how to start a podcast. Next thing you know, I start a podcast in May of 2020. And um, I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no clue that I was going to find kind of the launching point for my next chapter of life. And that was all started by a podcast. Now, when I started, my podcast was called The Lowdown on Tr Life and Travel. The Lowdown was kind of a play off of my last name. Um, and so I started off just talking about travel, started interviewing travel suppliers. Because again, at this point, you have to remember, I'm thinking that I'm still a travel agent. I didn't realize that God had other plans. <laughs> and so as 2020 is kind of coming to a close, people are starting to come to me for vacations and I'm starting to turn them away. I'm starting to make excuses because at that point, I'm like, I don't want to book another trip. I don't want to cancel another trip. And so finally, 2021, I'm like, I got to make a decision. So I decided to close the business. I had a beautiful website. I took advantage of it, sold it to another travel agent who could make it their own. And rebranded the podcast for the first time, um, which was called The Lowdown with Kevin Lowe. And I started really getting into these just inspirational talks, um, interviewing people who have incredible stories. 
and um, just kind of kept going with that, not even sure where it was going to go or what it was going to gonna do, but it felt right. And I think that's the important uh, kind of note here is that you know when you're on the right path in life, when it feels effortless. I feel like so many times we try to fight it. We try to swim upstream. And when we're trying to do all of that, that's typically means it's probably not the right path. If it feels like we're literally floating on our back, headed down the stream with a, with a drink in a hand with one of those little pretty little umbrellas, that means you're on the right path, or in this case, the right river. And that is how podcasting felt. So I didn't know where it was going to go, what it was going to lead to, how it was going to start making money, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And so we'll kind of fast forward a few episodes and um, all of a sudden I'm starting to do these interviews and the people who I'm interviewing, they keep telling me almost every single interview They'd be like, Kevin, they're like, you ask me questions that no one else has ever asked me before. Or you see parts of my story that no one else has ever seen before. And they're like, you should really do something with this. You should be a coach. Now, kind of like podcasting, I had never heard of the term coach before outside of PE. And so I was like, really? I don't even understand what coaching is. And so that then, you know, led me down this, this new path, again, still guided by the podcast and entered the realm of coaching. Um, and that is basically where, where I am today, still producing a podcast um, that comes out twice a week while also working as a transformational life and business coach. Wow. I, uh, I'm still here. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> just... I've rarely on this show been rendered speechless by someone's story and what a fantastic job you did telling it just encompassing the feelings. I mean, I'd find myself asking questions in my head of, okay, I need to, I need to ask this when he's done. I need to make sure that I hit this point. I need to make sure that we cover this. And then right there in the next sentence, the next breath comes the answer to that question. You know, and I know you mentioned one of the questions I had was exactly how you could get through something like this and what it is that draws you back to wanting to live again versus taking your own life. And and you mentioned faith, but it really kind of opened up to another question of how can you tell this story now without sounding emotional, without you know, taking breaks because you want to cry about it or because you want to be angry about it or whatever the case may be. How is it that you're able to just so eloquently tell us this story and take us right back to day one of finding out you had a whole new life without appearing to be emotional about it or still messed up about it? Um, Time. Time is truly and honestly the best healer. Um. Because for a long time, um, it was hard. It was really hard. And the experts, the so-called experts, would tell my parents that Kevin should should be further along by now. Kevin needs to accept where he is at. He needs to accept this and move on. But my mom knew that Kevin is going to take his own time. And when it's right, he will move forward. And it took a long time. And in telling my story, um, because I started telling my story a long time ago. And I think I've always found power in sharing my story. Because I realized that maybe by me sharing what happened to me, what happened to my family, maybe it could help somebody else. could help somebody out by giving them a renewed sense of hope, helping them realize that life isn't over, even when you think it is. And that's really kind of the driving force. How I'm able to tell it without crying today, it's simply by time. Um, I, every year on the anniversary, 
October 28th. For so long, so, so long, that anniversary was literally almost like a nightmare. Today, I can tell you that, yeah, I still get emotional, but it's not like it used to be. And the only way I've done that is through time. It makes sense. It's just hard for someone like me. You know, I've been on a podcast that I absolutely want to get you on with Matt Gilhooley called the Life Shift Podcast. And a key word that you used there was pivotal moment. And that's exactly the types of stories that he tells. And it seems like in my life, I've got 20 pivotal moments, 20 moments of things that, and you know, in, in comparison, and this is something we talk about on that show, in comparison to the things you've been through, they seem so minuscule now yes. to me in my eyes. Um, it It's hard for me to say, well, what I've been through is worthy of being upset about whenever I hear stories like yours, where it seems in, in our minds, for some reason, we always kind of play down what we're going through and justify how bad someone else had it. And it's, it's easy for me to say like, well, now looking at my story, you know, I, I went through a lot of things that are kind of normal in life. Whereas finding a brain tumor is abnormal going blind because of it with a 1% chance is abnormal. And the things that you've had to, go through, the things you've been put through are more abnormal, if you will, than what I've gone through. And we found on that show that all of us seem to kind of do that. Yeah. And we we downplay what we're going through and we hold everyone else on a pedestal of what they've gone through and say, well, they've had it so much worse. Why am I complaining? But one of the things I've had to accept was I've had a hard time mm -hmm. and I've had a lot of things to deal with. And I need to say that and I need to accept it because it doesn't matter. Someone's always had it worse. Just like Someone's always smarter than you, faster than you, better looking than you. There's someone out there that has it worse than you or has it better than you. Uh, both ends of the spectrum or that spectrum is going to exist at all times. It's just a, a part of life. But I've gone through some things and it's hard for me, even though some of those things have been 2005. Some of them have been 2014. Some of them were 2009. Like it's all over the place, but time has seemed to not be a healer for me mentally sometimes. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I would love to understand how you can get to that realization. And maybe it is just something that your mindset was changed is different because of what you've had to go through. Um, so I, I would say maybe this also plays into what your podcast is about today. So if you can kind of expand on that, like how were you able to use time to heal when others can't? And then what is it exactly that you talk about on your show and why should I tune into it? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love all of those points. And, and, I, and I'll touch on one thing that like, you know, you said is, is the whole thing about like, you know, are my problems, my challenges any worse? or greater than somebody else's. And and I remember a lot of times I would run into the situation where after becoming blind, people would would ask me, they're like, does it does it irritate you? Does it bother you when people talk about their problems that when they complain about things? And I said literally from the get-go, because I literally remember I was interviewed um during my senior year, I was interviewed for I think our, our school paper. And so they were asking me that, that question. And my response was no, everybody's problems are big to them. Me going blind. Yeah. If you want to look at it from a big picture point of view, maybe that's a bigger deal than the other person, you know, I don't know, breaking their arm, being in a breakup, you know, a relationship, but, we don't look at it like that. We have to look at it individually because each of us are going through life and we each have our ups and downs that we have to deal with. And that's all that matters is us at that moment. So I, I love that you touched on that so much. Um, and I was so excited to respond to that, that I kind of forgot where you're at going, going with, with no. the actual question. I knew this was going to be a great conversation. So I, I expected this to happen. And in the same way, it's hard for me to not blurt out all of my questions at once because I want to cover all of them. But I just know 
you know, I'm kind of weird. I don't sit here and take notes like I should. So I have to just like say those things to get them out there because if I don't, I'm going to forget it. But it was just your podcast. I, I know has to play into this somehow. And so how is it that you're able to use time to heal your wounds when some other people in the world would probably say time has not healed my wounds and it's been so many years. And when I tell my story, I'm still emotional about it. You know, how did you get to that point? And then what is it your podcast is about exactly? Uh, and how does that play into that message? Yeah. Okay. Love it. Love it. I think the biggest thing for, for me myself was just being able to come to a point when I could realize that by moving forward, that did not mean that I had to quote unquote, accept what happened. Yes. As I've always said, I accept the fact that, that I cannot see, but I got irritated when people would act like right off the bat that I had to accept the fact that this will be how it will always be because that thought process back then was absolutely just tragic. The thought that I could be locked in this world of darkness and never get to come out. For myself, what I, what I want to say is, I think, I think the biggest thing for, for me is getting through it by kind of just having a forward focused mindset because I've kind of always been that person. I mean, all growing up who was positive, who views the glass half full, never half empty. And so for myself, even after losing my ability to see, I had to remain positive. For one thing, nobody besides for the people close to me, like my mom, my sister, my dad, my, my grandmother, no one else saw how hard it was on me. Because Kevin is the guy who's always laughing, always joking, always making light of stuff. And I think in a way that kind of helped me because it gave me an opportunity to get out of that dark hole. I didn't have to stay in that. I was able to break free, even if maybe it was me kind of tricking my own self in believing that everything was okay, but it worked. And I feel like sometimes, sometimes we got to just lie to ourselves a little bit and in order to get ourselves moving forward to then prove to ourselves we are okay. And so for myself, that's, you know, kind of what I did until one day I heard a quote in a book and it was an audio book I was listening to. And this was probably around the time when I started the, the home-based travel agency, I was reading a book and at the end of the book, and I'm talking like the very end of the book, one of the, the characters said a quote. And it stuck with me. And this character had just finished guiding a group down the Grand Canyon on a whitewater rafting expedition. And this character is now standing in the middle of the river and he's facing upstream. And he has his arms outstretched, his fingers are splayed, just letting the current of the river run through his fingers. And he sat there talking to the river and he said, I'll come back someday, but for now I've got more life to live. And I heard that and I paused and I rewound and I listened to it. And I did that several times until I had it memorized. And then I went and I opened up my computer and I jotted it down because right then I realized, Kevin, you don't have to give up on, on seeing again, but right now you've got more life to live. And it helped me to realize that those people were wrong, that I will see again someday. It may not be until I'm in heaven and that's okay, but I've got more life to live right now. 
and I can't spend all the time waiting because then I'm just wasting all of this opportunity. And I think that is something that each of us, we have to come to that pivotal point individually when we all have that breakthrough. And me starting a podcast, well, what with what the podcast has turned into, it's literally to be that spark, to be that quote in the book that makes somebody somewhere on this globe say, you know what? If he can do it, I can too. And so that is what my podcast is named Grit, Grace, and Inspiration is to literally show people that sometimes we got to use a little grit. We can always use a whole lot of grace. And along the way, we can inspire. And that is what I have done because I figured out that a bad situation is only bad if we can't figure out how to make good out of it. For myself, I'm able to make good out of what happened to me by using my story, by sharing my new insights on life with others. And at the end of the day, I have to think that if something I say, something I share, if it can help somebody else, well, then maybe all of this in some weird, crazy way was really beautiful in the way it worked out. Because to me, helping others, giving other people hope, that's what this life is all about. And if I had to go through the stuff that I did to be able to do it, well, maybe that's okay. Because I feel like all of us, we all just need a reminder that we can do it, that there's nothing stopping us. And that's exactly what the podcast is is meant to be. I have firmly believed for a long time that everything happens for a reason. And it's hard, especially when you start talking about the faith thing, because some some people's natural questions to debate or disprove any religion would be if there is such an all-powerful, almighty God, how can you allow bad things to happen to good people? And so I struggle sometimes with a debate in my mind of I hate this thing that has occurred, and I don't understand the why behind why I have to go through this or this person has to go through that or, you know, why this thing had to occur. But I've always found in my life that everything that's happened has always had a purpose that I find out about later that I understand later. I've been fired from jobs sometimes because I've made a mistake sometimes because I had absolutely no reason to be fired at all. And it just happened. And I've struggled with saying like, well, this is the wrong time. Like I just built my first house and now I'm getting fired. I'm looking for a job. And then what happened? I got a job immediately that was $2 per hour more as far as my pay was concerned. And then it led me to be able to complete my paramedic and get my certifications and then get a job making, I think, probably $6 more per hour than that. And it was just one thing after another that occurred because of this one perceived bad thing that turned into the reason why I needed to go through that season of my life. And yeah. it's it's harder when we're talking about something even worse than, again, in my mind, even worse than just losing a job. Because there are so many jobs out there. That's what COVID has taught us. But losing your eyesight, for instance, the battle that you face, it's like... No wonder you have thoughts of ending your life because that's a major thing to go through. And then the question is, why? Why take this away from me? Why am I in this position? And I can easily see how someone could think in their mind, there's no reason for me to be able to go on. Like there's nothing beneficial that can come out of this. But I've always tried, not that I succeed, not that I haven't talked to a therapist, not that I haven't had thoughts of, you know, I I said it in that podcast again not that I've ever been suicidal in my life, but I've definitely woken up thinking I wouldn't mind dying at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I've had those thoughts and I've struggled in ways of 
dealing with the things that I'm going through in my life, but I've always tried to keep in the back of my mind, there's a reason you're going through this. You just don't know why yet. And I think that your podcast is a testament to that. You know, I'm trying to remember who I just interviewed and, and spoke to about this. And um, she was saying, the thing is, I wouldn't be able to help other people who had gone through this if I had not gone through it myself. Mm. And it's so powerful because especially being a first responder, I can understand that that concept. You know, we're very big about mental health in the industry. And they say, well, we're going to bring in counselors to talk to you. And it's like, cool. Is that counselor a first responder? Have they ever been a first responder before? And this is wrong of me. I'm not saying this is a, a right thought process to have. But when they say, well, no, I've never been a first responder before, then why are you going to try to talk to me? <laughs> How are you going to understand and level with me? You know, and it's a, a basic instinct. I mean, what am I going to tell you about your situation of being blind that you're going to truly appreciate and understand? Not that you won't appreciate the gesture, not that you wouldn't appreciate the conversation at all. But do you really think I am well suited to be able to tell you how to live without your eyesight? I don't think so. I, I think that you're going to immediately say, well, you know, this is a very easy conversation for these doctors, for instance, who told me that I'm going to need to deal with this and get over it. Pretty easy for these people who can see to say that. Yep. And exactly. I think that that's a fair thought. I think it's a, a very fair thought. And I say that to say who better to teach people about hardship than someone like you who has not only been through a hardship, but gone down slightly the wrong path in thinking and dealing with your mental health about it came back to the right path and then not only got back on track and did what was best for you mentally and physically, but also turned it into something inspirational and something great. Um, I think this is a, an amazing episode um, because to be able to go through those things and come out on the other side, not just okay, but it seems like better. That's the, the real reason I asked that question of how you can get through this without emotional an, an emotional response. And I think it's, it's proof that you're better than you were before on dealing with things. And then you've been able to make something of yourself because as you said, not only did you have that realiza realization in high school, but you know, right now we have a tendency in society to be a victim to capitalize on the things that victimize us and to be able to say, you know what, I'm blind. I need you to hand this to me and I need this to be easier because I have a hardship. And instead of doing that, you've said, I'm not going to be your typical handicapped person or, you know, person with a disability. Like that's not me. You know, you quite literally said, I'm not disabled, I am able and I'm going to, and I'm not only gonna do it, but just like we talked about before the show, you said, the reason I'm 100% blind is because I'm not gonna half-ass anything. And it's the same thing you've done here, is that I'm not going to allow being blind to give me the excuse that I need in order to half-ass something. And I, I think that is truly inspirational. It is something that everyone needs to listen to your story and not only that, but your podcast. So where can we connect with you online and find where your podcast is at, what you're doing, what is your YouTube channel? How do you prefer people to come to you, talk to you, learn from you and share their stories with you? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much, dude. Um, the best place to connect with me is literally through the podcast. So on whatever app you're listening, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, Google, wherever it is, literally just do a search for grit, grace, and inspiration, and you will find me there. Um, another awesome place is just literally my website, um, and that is gritgraceinspiration.com, and uh, that is a great resource just for not only the podcast, but if you, you know, just want to learn more about me, um, got my about page there, got information on what I do as a transformational life in business coach. Um, and uh, so those are really my best, best two places is literally search me out on the podcast um, app of choice. That is literally the central hub. If I've got things going on, um, you know, pop up Facebook groups, um, different announcements, um, it's all happening through the podcast. 
That's perfect, man. I am, I've only done this, I think, two times now. This might be my third. Uh, it might be my second. But this conversation is so good. And I know we haven't talked anything about your coaching aspects yet and what exactly it is you do there. I'd love to have you back on the show to discuss just the coaching side of things. Now that we've kind of gone through the personal side, you know, this is a business podcast and our goal is always to talk about your company, but our goal also is to talk about the why. And I think today's why was just so big and so heavy that it was something that needed to be discussed. And I'm so glad we had that conversation. So I've got to invite you back for another episode, man. We, we've got to talk again in the future. Oh man, I would love that so much. And, and, I, I think I would love to just end with one thing for for your, for the audience to take away is that this life, it's tough. We're going to get thrown challenges. We, we never know what tomorrow will bring, but I found a way to prepare. And it, it's something that I didn't mention on talking about how I overcame, you know, kind of what happened to me. And it is by going back to algebra class and creating an equation. And I have what I call my life's equation. And I would encourage you to figure out what that equation is for you. Mine is faith plus family equals a life worth living. The faith of the family, those are your variables. So you can consider those your X plus Y is figuring out when you're at the lowest of lows, when you don't have a reason for getting up in the morning, when you question whether or not you even want to be on this earth, what is the thing or the things that is going to give you a reason to keep going? For myself, it was my faith and my family. Both of those equaled a life worth living, even when I was at the lowest of lows. And so as a takeaway, more important than anything else that I've said I've shared is I hope that you will create your own equation, um, you know, to equal a life worth living for you. I love it, man. We just turned a business podcast into an inspirational podcast and we couldn't have done it without Kevin Lowe. Uh, this was, it was an amazing episode, man. I can't thank you enough for being here and tuning in. Ah, thank you so much. Yes, sir. And listeners, thank you for being a part of this show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We are going to have Kevin back. We have to. What an inspirational person. What a great conversation. Just continue to tune in every single week like you do and support entrepreneurs just like Kevin. Hit up his podcast. As you know, everything is going to be in the show notes below for you to be able to contact him and listen to his show and listen even further to his story. Because let me tell you, as someone who has shared my personal story on a podcast, these 30, 45 minute, even hour and a half episodes don't give you enough time to truly get into every single detail that we have that makes us tick and why we do it. So please reach out to him, listen to his story on his show, listen to everything he has going on there and just show him that small business origins listener love that every single one of you shows every single episode that we have. But that's it for us. It's been another week, another great entrepreneur, another awesome story. We'll see you next week. And as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it. 